Please turn at this time in the Old Testament, the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 3, where we will be reading verses 1 through 17. And later on, we will turn to Philippians 2 to read verses 5 through 11. But for now, Exodus 3, verses 1 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this... Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk 
and honey. So far our reading in God's word at this time. Congregation of King Jesus, the one who holds the name that is above every name. I'm at the stage of life where more and more of my stuff is finding its way out of closets and off of shelves and into another type of storage container. Recently, I moved a small cardboard box with some yellowing papers off of a shelf and noticed that it contained old income tax forms. I noticed that on February 2, 1968, I signed my first Form 1040A. As a junior in high school, I had earned $57.22, and I was now set to receive a refund of $6.20. At the time, that seemed pretty good. (laughs) Above the signature line, though, were the words, under penalties of perjury, I declare that to the best of my knowledge and belief, this is a true, correct, and complete return. I signed my name, not worrying about perjuring my name, a name I have tried to hold up honorably ever since. When someone hears your name, it should register with them, it should register with them as a good name, a name representing a good person. Your name not only identifies you as a unique individual, Lord willing, it carries along with it something of your character. When someone recognizes me, they should be able to say, Ah, Evan Harama. I know him to be a trustworthy person with a good character who seeks to reflect Jesus and who does not perjure himself when he signs his income tax forms. As far as I know, that's worked ever since. Names. Names are used, yeah, to identify us as one person out of many. Again, I don't know many of your first names. You happen to know my name because it's printed in the bulletin in front of you. But, right, we use our names to say, ah, that's you, or that's that's you. Uh, This is me. There's nothing so much special about what name we have, but it is a personal identifier. Well, names, many names in the Bible describe more than just a person's identity. Many names in the Bible describe a person's character. And there were times when God even changed people's names to describe a change in their character or their standing or their mission. I'll give you just two two examples. First of all, in, in Numbers 13, verse 16, we read about a man named Hoshea, H-O-S-H-E-A, Hoshea. His name means salvation. Now, how that worked out, if that worked out at all in his life, we don't know, but his name Hoshea means salvation. Moses changed his name to Yeshua, a form of Yahashua, Yahashua. You don't have to play too much with letters and you get Joshua out of that. Joshua means the Lord is salvation. 
When Yahashua was translated into the Greek language of the New Testament, it became Jesus. And when we translate that further into English, it comes out to be Jesus. Hoshia, Yahashua, Jesus, Jesus. A name change for Joshua, which ultimately led to the name of Jesus. Now, when the angel of the Lord who visited Joseph, the betrothed husband to Mary, told him about the child that Mary would give birth to, to whom Joseph was to give the name Yeshua, or Jesus, he was to give him that name because he would save them from their sins. The Lord is salvation. Jesus. Not only does that announcement proclaim that Jesus would save his people from their sins, it also means that Jesus is the Lord who is salvation. Jesus, the Lord is salvation. Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, the Lord. The name that he was given. Jesus came as God's anointed one to fulfill the promise of salvation for God's people, providing them the privilege of living under the grace of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Joshua, who was one of those, one of the 12 spies, if you remember that story, who, who Moses said, why don't you 12 go into the promised land and check it out to see what it's like, to see if we'll be able to capture it. Well, the 12, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, went up and checked out the land, and then they came back. Ten of them said, oh, Moses, no, no way. There's, there's giants there. there. There's, it's just too big of a project. Joshua and Caleb, or Hoshea and Caleb, came back and said, no, of course we can capture it. With God leading the way, there's nothing that will keep us from taking that land. So Joshua was one of those, and eventually he was the one who brought the people of Israel through the separated Jordan River into the land of promise, where he led the, the capturing of it and the taking over of it and brought them to a place of their physical, at least earthly, deliverance from the land of Egypt, which, from which Moses had led them 40 years before. Right? So, so, yeah, Joshua brought the people deliverance. In a, in a sense, he brought them salvation from their imprisonment from the Egyptians. Obviously, Joshua was not the one who brought them spiritual, eternal salvation. That was Jesus. But those names... Those names are more than just identifiers there. Now, in Exodus 3, we read that Moses had said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? Well, that's somewhat of a fair question uh, for Moses, who had been away from Egypt now for 40 years, tending his father-in-law's flocks, his sheep, and now he sees this bush that's on fire and it's not burning up, and he goes over and God explains to him 
of God's abiding love, again, for his people, like a candle that won't go out. It's always lit. And God says, I've heard, I've seen, I've come down to deliver them. You're my man, Moses. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, and you will bring my people out from under the oppressive hand of the Egyptians. Moses says, well, yeah, okay, Uh, but what if they ask, what's your name? What should I tell them? Egypt, in their religious culture, had over 2,000 different deities or different gods, all serving different things, supposedly. Named gods who would be part of the life of the people. You may have heard of two of them. I'm not going to give you all 2,000, thankfully, right? But one of them, Isis, I-S-I-S. You may have heard that somewhere, that uh, maybe on Jeopardy or something like that. They they need to know the name of, of the fertility god of Egypt. That would be Isis. Isis was responsible for not only children, but also for crops. In the land of Canaan, in the Canaanite land, it was Baal. We've heard of Baal, I'm sure, too. But in Egypt, it was Isis. And then there was Re, who was the sun god. But every morning, the sun god comes up and and new things are there. He was the creator god. So again, for Moses and for the people, they were, Moses was thinking they might have wanted a name. Do you have a name like Isis or anything I can give to them so that they can kind of focus their attention? And it's after that question that God says, my name is I am that I am. Again, in the Hebrew language, that I am, that I am can also be translated, I will be what I will be. There's the ever-lit personality or character of God. He always was and he always will be. Right now, he was saying, I am, but I also will be. Tomorrow, I'm going to be, I am that I am. And I will be that the next day and the next day. And I always have been, I am that I am. That's the eternal, self-existent, covenant-making and keeping name of God. A God who chose, called, and loved his people even before they knew him. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was God before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was the creator God, always was always is and always will be. That name is so unique that even its pronunciation was originally unknown. Whatever we might say about that name is is our guess. It was really four letters in the Hebrew, uh, a Y that could have been a J, kind of a YJ sound, yeah, yeah, an H, and a W that in Hebrew has a lot of the V sound to it, and another H. So we're going to say J-H-V-H. Yahovah is one way 
that name gets pronounced, Jehovah. Now the, the Jewish rabbis, as time went on, were so concerned that they might pronounce this name inappropriately because they didn't really know how to say it and they didn't want to take the chance of using God's name in an inappropriate way, they came up with another word for God, Adonai, A-D-O-N-E-J. Adonai is the word that they would say for God rather than risk mispronouncing, misusing God's name. Now, if you take those vowels, ah, ah, do, ne, and you put them between those four letters, we come back to Jeho or Yahweh or Jehovah. See, so they, they covered themselves from misusing God's name. They still do. The Jewish people do not want to risk. They, they will not pronounce the name of God. They'll get reading or speaking, and they'll just say, and bless the name, rather than bless the Lord. Bless the name. Because they don't want to misuse, break the third, the third commandment. Do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. So Jehovah got trans, well, for many years, that was the name, the identifying name in our English Bibles, right? I, um, but now more current, most current translations have gotten away from Jehovah and they use the word Lord, but with all capital letters. If you look in your NIV Bible in your, in your pew, you will see that um, the Lord, with all capital letters, is the name of, name printed now for, for God. So in our Bibles, you will see that there are the Lord, and he is also Lord. Right? We use the word Lord to identify someone who is a, a master or a, a ruler or some kind of a, a king, perhaps, over people or over something. That's an entirely different word than the Lord with capital letters. That's the name that Moses was given to tell the people of Israel the character quality traits of the Lord. And the Lord would be their God. I am the Lord all capital letters, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We tend with our, I don't know, with well, maybe our, our just uh, impatience, we just quite often just talk about the Lord God. I'm going to stick them, right? We're going to stick them together and we just... If you, learn, if, if you take nothing else away from this message tonight, please... Try to be more patient. Don't just mix those things together, those two words together, but the Lord, our God. It's not a first and last name. The Lord, our God. Because it's that name that we're called to honor. It's that name to which all gives, everyone gives 
honor and glory. One of the songs we sang earlier, uh, reference, or it didn't reference, but it, it, it grows out of 1 Chronicles 16, 28 and 29, where we read, ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, <clears throat> bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. All families of nations, all peoples need to know that the Lord, his name, needs to be given glory and honor, to be worshiped and praised, to be humbled before. Psalm 8, we sang a version of it just a few minutes ago, um, says that not only everybody, but everything gives glory to the name of our God. Lord, that one's with all capital letters, Lord, our Lord, our ruler, how majestic is your name in all the earth. All the earth was created by the Lord and deserves worship and praise. Everything that God created is to give him praise and honor. He is over the earth, over all the earth, by virtue of his creative activities. We need to pause here and consider how we're to respect the name, the great I am that I am. The third commandment of the Ten Commandments teaches us that we are not to misuse the name. We're not to perjure ourselves by signing our name to something that may not be true. We're not to take vows and oaths and then lie under oath. We're allowed to take oaths when the government demands it of us, but that puts pressure on us, it should, to be very careful about what we say, that we only speak the truth when we've taken an oath in God's name because he is truth. That which characterizes the very being of the Lord should never be used unintentionally or without meaning when something good might happen to us or when we are surprised by something, the first words out of our mouth should not be, oh my, and you know what follows after that. I won't even say it here, but you know, right? And it's used so often. Oh my, what a beautiful new car. Oh my, I spun the big number on the wheel. Oh my, please, please, for the sake of the name of the Lord our God. Don't use those phrases or anything like them. In fact, we should be wise and courageous in telling people who say those kind of things, please, don't take the name of my God and use it so purposelessly. And don't take the name of the Lord who is God and use it in such a, a lowly way without any intent of truly worshiping him. 
We should worship the name of God because it is who he is. And worshiping the name should be done thoughtfully, humbly, and in the right frame of mind. I am that I am, God said. That's who he is, eternal, self-existent, creator, savior, deliverer, the one who loves us. Use his name purposefully to bring glory to him. Now, if you still have your Bibles open, I'm going to ask, or I'm going to ask you anyway, to turn to Philippians chapter 2, where we will read verses 5 through 11. What this does builds on what we've just said and heard. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." the honor and the glory of the name of God was given to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the Lord, is salvation. Jesus displayed the glory of God throughout his entire life and ministry. Jesus bore the precious and holy name of God to the cross and to the tomb. from which the full glory of God was revealed when Jesus arose. In a far greater way than Joshua, Jesus brings all of God's people deliverance from the power of sin and the life promised by God and intended by God for his people. Land of promise. Jesus brings us into the land promised by God of new life and life to the full. Philippians 2 gives us the truth. Jesus humbled himself, taking on human nature, intentionally going to the cross, finishing the payment before God for the sins of the world, our sins. Revealing his glory, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. I am that I am. Jesus, our Savior, has that name. Every knee is to bow before the name of Jesus. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord 
All you nations, bend and bow your knee before Jesus, to whom the name above every name has been given. Every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In the Gospel of John, seven different times, Jesus identifies himself as the I am. I am the bread of life. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the light of the world. I am, I am, seven times the complete number of I ams. Jesus is the the great I am. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, our response to him should be like our response to God. It should be a response of worship flowing out of great humility We don't walk into a worship service and say, okay, God, here I am. Enjoy it, for here I am. We should come in crawling on our knees in worship, bowing before the Lord as we try to do, to, to offer ourselves to him because he is the one who has given us all that we have, all that we will ever need, and he is the one who will give us abundant, life now through Jesus. Our life's purpose is to honor God, to serve God, and to love God, and to love our neighbors, starting with our knees, with our knees. Every knee should bow, and with our tongues, every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord. We have a privilege, don't we, to tell the world who Jesus is, what God has done through Jesus. And we need to warn them what God will do for those apart from Jesus. We need to honor and we need to uphold Jesus, to whom the name that is above every name was given, and he will always have it. Because he too is not only I am that I am, but I will will be who I will be. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has given to us deliverance, life, purpose, love. And as we bow before Jesus, we take our instructions from the Lord, who is also our Lord. And he says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything, teaching them all that I have taught you. It's a big challenge, but it's a beautiful challenge to think that the I am that I am entrusts us with fulfilling his mission here on earth. For Jesus' sake, Jesus' sake, stand up for his holy and beautiful name. Amen. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, Lord, our God, holy is your name. Precious is your name. 
To be worshipped is your name, your very being itself. Forgive us for allowing your name to be trashed, trodden on, and thrown around aimlessly. We know that you will hold responsible those who misuse your name. Thank you for giving us the knowledge that Jesus died for all of our sins, having taken on human nature. He died even for the sin of misusing your name that we may have done or that we may do. But when we know that when we confess and repent for his sake, we will be forgiven. So strengthen us as your children in the task we have of honoring your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>